Welcome to the San Antonio Bloggers Podcast, where I am interviewing some of the folks that make things happen in San Antonio, Texas. Now, today, I'm joined by Pamela Price, blogger, author, homeschool mom, who recently launched an entirely new project because obviously, based on the list I just mentioned, she did not have enough to do. Thank you, Pamela, for joining me. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. This is such a pleasure. So talk to me about your blogging journey, because I met you a few years ago, but you had been blogging even way before then. I did. I began experimenting um, with blogging as a platform, probably, I would say, around 2002, 2003. And then I did the biggest blog before the main blog, which we'll talk about in a minute, was with a a magazine in Louisiana called Country Roads Magazine. And we had kind of experimented with the platform. And then I set it aside for a couple of years. And then in 2008, we we were kind of in an, another interesting cultural moment. And I participated in some online exploration of the idea of victory gardening, which is um, <clears throat> a historical movement that ebbs and wanes kind of with world affairs and and the recession and economic recovery, it kind of ebbed and flowed. And then the blog changed to cover, as you said, some, some, something that led to books. So parenting, homeschooling, I did some gifted advocacy. And then most recently, I moved to a new project altogether that's regional journalism. It's called the Texas Wildflower. You know, when you transition like that, which I think it's neat that your audience follows you along, right? Because it is this journey. You know, you think you get started in something like, this is what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, as your interests grow or as your knowledge grows and the people around you shift and change, you have new interests. How have you used your voice to kind of transition your audience? Because you've done a really great job of building community around the things that are important to you. I think I've worked really hard to be transparent in sort of my own life and my online life. Not that I don't certainly keep things private, but I've really tried to not hide that my interests have changed as I've gone along. I've been pretty frank about that. And it's interesting that there's still this sort of core audience that has followed me through those different incarnations along the way. You know, I think when someone's authentic, it feels honest and true. And regardless of where they're going on their journey, we want to be a part of it. And that's really called building this rabid fan base and a fan that's loyal and dedicated and can be your champions when you need them to be, but can also give you the space when you need the space just because they have taken that journey with you. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. And, and I think that loss sometimes in kind of the what's become the race for social media likes and for social media fame is lost what was really great about blogging in the beginning. And that was that sense of connecting with people who could be halfway across town or halfway across the country or halfway across the world, but still kind of come together around a central theme or a central idea or even really a central worldview. Um, and to me, that's what that's why I continue to do what I do. You know, I always have thought about the way that we are attracted to audiences and to one another online, because we have this sense of wanting to have our small town America, 
you know, where you had the people that, you know, you knew that your neighbor knew who the good butcher was and your other neighbor knew who the good mechanic was. And you just had this sense of closeness and personality and just this sense of belonging. And in the modern day where we're all moving at a fast clip um, where, you know, you may see your neighbor during the holidays, you may not. Usually you're waving as you're going in and out of your garage. And it's just this very fast paced life. I think there's a core of us that really does miss that small town America feel. And we've been able to find that online. And when I say small town America, it doesn't mean that it's in the United States. You can still get that feeling of belonging and community with folks who are all over the world. And that's been something that I have found to be really valuable. And going back to what you said in reference to this rush for social media likes and for Instagram fame, um, I think the thing that's most lost and that is highly valuable is exactly what you said, that you have this core group of folks that have followed you around your different incarnations and that community can go deep and wide. Mm, yeah, for sure. I mean, a couple of things come to mind from, if we can kind of borrow from other groups of ideas. One of them is Robert Putnam, who I believe was, last time I checked was at Harvard, but he did a book um, on the waning of social clubs like Rotary Club and Kiwanis, as those have sort of kind of vanished from the American landscape. And they're still active, but they're not what they once were bowling clubs. His book was called Bowling Alone. Things that pulled us together, we have kind of fractured culturally. And what I think is interesting is that social media done right can create those relationships and alliances that can extend into the real world. And at the same time, there's this um, wonderful idea of third place and those are places like coffee shops that we um, come together and meet friends. It's not work. It's not home. It's not a place we're required to be, but we just kind of like to be there. The market at Pearl is one of those physical spaces. I think when we set up a blog or a website or a really great Facebook group that has a lot of energy and community in it, we're creating that space for ourselves when maybe our personal interests aren't reflected on where we physically are we can find to kind of create those virtual spaces where we can interact and, and done right. I mean, there's plenty of examples of things that are done wrong, but done right, those can be really galvanizing and supportive and nurturing to us as humans. You know, when we look at the, the transition, you mentioned your latest venture, and I'd really like to dive a little bit into it because anytime we embark on something new, there is that little that little spark of an idea that hits our mind. And at first, we're probably so busy with our lives that we just don't have time to pay it attention. But eventually, that little spark becomes really, really, really insistent. And all of a sudden, we can't do anything but think about it. And then once we've thought about it so much, we actually have to take action because it won't leave us alone. Right. And I'm guessing this latest venture might have been something like that for you. It did, because this idea actually began 12 years ago before redwhiteandgrew.com even existed, or I'd even thought about working with Victory Gardening. The idea being kind of taking what I had done in journalism in Louisiana as a managing editor for Country Roads, which I mentioned earlier, and kind of taking it to the internet platform and thinking regionally about arts and culture and women's businesses and creative economy and kind of finding a place and a place online where those conversations could take place. And I kept thinking, well, somebody is eventually going to do it. Somebody's going to come up with this idea and no one did. And I kept doing other things and no one did it. <laughs> and then 
earlier this year, as I was kind of dealing with the fallout of having spent a, um, several years kind of focused on elder care um, and getting a couple of books out, I decided, why not now? When is there going to be a better time to have those conversations about, you know, we talk about the rural-urban divide, and there are some legitimate issues there, especially when we talk about computer access. And at the same time, most of the women that I know in San Antonio and Austin and up in Bernie and Fredericksburg are as comfortable in cowboy boots as they are in dress heels down at the Hotel Emma. And last year... I think was a really rough year for Americans, but I came out of it really being sensitive to the fact that as journalists, and and ultimately I am a journalist first and foremost, um, as journalists, we haven't done as good a job as we could in talking about women and their work, their creative work, the kinds of things that get left off, never really talked about um, from major publications. And I kind of wanted to take that idea of regional looking regionally at an area, at a coverage area, and looking at just kind of diving into all those issues in hopes of finding people in common ground and, I guess, sort of nurturing a kind of regional pride that could be galvanizing for people. So that's kind of what I'm going for. How did you think it was going to launch? Did you think it would be kind of like a slow, easy growth? Or were you surprised at just how much attention it's getting? I figured it would go in fits and spurts, which, you know, some weeks are better than others. It's still a really tiny footprint. Um, It's, you know, it's totally grassroots, a homegrown project. But what more than just kind of seeing those numbers pick up for me pretty early on has been the quality of conversations that it's generated. I intentionally, I don't have comments on that site um, because I find, I feel like comments don't work the way that they used to online and it's kind of an invitation for discord. Um, And so conversations have taken place on Facebook or people have messaged me and the response has been, Women saying, I didn't really know I needed this until I read it, (laughs) or it sounded like a good idea when you told me, but now that I've read a couple of articles, I'm really excited. And what's interesting is, you know, when you start a business, you know, you do your market research and you're kind of thinking about, you know, this is my audience. This is what they're probably going to look like. This is what they're, you know, this is what their interests are going to be. And when you look into those insights on your social media and you start to realize, oh my gosh, this lines up perfectly. It's, it's like a rush (laughs) (laughs) of, um, it's just kind of thrilling to see, okay, I do know this audience and I do kind of know what they're interested in. And I also know what they're not interested in. And, you know, there's kind of that give and take over the next year, gave myself 18 months to two years to see if it's really going to fly, um, and how well, and, how monetization is going to work, but it's bigger than just a job. It's like a lifestyle, if that makes sense. Um, and it's changing, it's changing me. It's not just about me collecting stories and meeting people and telling stories. It's also kind of forcing me to really look at this region, which is my coverage area is San Saba to San Antonio and then roughly San Angelo to Austin on the Edwards Plateau to really look at it through a fresh lens and to also kind of push my own assumptions about 
what that space is like, what that environment is like, and what the people are like, if that makes sense. It does, because I think when you're talking about your audience, you're also talking about the things that you find interesting, because you're not going to stick with it if you don't find it interesting yourself. And you already had a good idea who your community was, and this just expands it in a whole new way. You know, you're able to go hyper regional if you take a look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. And and again, you know, in that in that rush to, to kind of fame and glory on the Internet, we now know that a lot of times those numbers that we see that make us envious, we know they're inflated or they're misleading. And what's interesting about this challenge is, is while I certainly welcome people from outside of the area, I'm really, really jazzed about looking at the next person I see at HEB and thinking, well, you know, how do they interact with place? And it's more, it's more grounding, even though I know it also, you know, puts limits on at the same time, but that, yeah, that, that hyper local, um, there's a freshness there in really thinking about how to root your online community into a physical place. Like, I find that just exciting, for lack of a better word, especially after years of, you know, my books were really written. They were written niche audiences, homeschooling and then gifted advocacy. And I've had readers all over the world whom I hear from, but there's just, um, there's no place like home. And I feel like this project really kind of takes that energy and kind of brings it here, which is kind of exciting. Well, the neat thing is that you not only get to talk about what's in these spaces now, but you can talk about the history of these spaces. And there's a very rich history just in that one region that you're discussing, because a lot of stuff happened. (laughs) Different cultures came together. It did. And so much of it runs in the face of what we think we know about Texas and what we think we know about where we live. Yeah, yeah. So I see you as like uh, this explorer on a brand new adventure. And as one of your readers and followers, I absolutely cannot wait to see what you uncover. Oh, thanks, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. That's so lovely. So um, as we wrap up, any words of wisdom for bloggers who lead an active life, much like yourself, in the blogging space? Um, I think we have to not be afraid to try things. I think there's a rush to judgment to think that there's a specific formula, there's a perfect WordPress theme, or there's an exact combination of words that are ideal for SEO. I think right now what the world needs, quite frankly, and I'm going to be very gender specific on this, we need women writing. We need women telling their stories, telling what they're passionate about, profiling other women across the lifespan. So much of blogging gets focused on motherhood and parenting and I respect and honor that, but there's so much more to our lives. And I really want to, I want to encourage women in particular to, to really experiment and try things. I mean, if you need to start a blog and use a fictitious online name for a little while while you tinker, that's fine. But I just think we need to to really see blogging as the creative enterprise that it is and not just sort of a potential side hustle when we're when we have young children, for example. Fantastic. When I first approached you about doing this interview, I told you that I considered you the thought leader for um, the topic of community and space and really just, you know, even parenting and just what you've done, because I've watched you do it for the last few years. And I think that really sends a message out to the folks that are listening that, you know, watch what she's doing, because it's an honest endeavor. 
And you definitely need to emulate that. You're so sweet. And, you know, I feel the same way about everything you've done and, and just so thrilled that we've stayed in contact over the years. Like, again, going back to that sense of community, it's it's not just about the the blog hits, not just about the comments or the Facebook following. It's about the people that come together to do the work. And I'm just so honored to have, to have interacted with you over this time. The San Antonio Blogger Podcast for National Podcast Post Month theme music, Happiness, can be found on bensound.com.